It's showtime. Showtime. Welcome to the party, pal. Don't sigh at me. No, I'm sighing because I'm worn out from picking up the table and walking all the way over here. This is why I don't do your stupid push-up challenge, because I'd probably hurt myself after one half. <laughs> Welcome to the Sultans of Smoke Cigar Cast. I'm Drew. Mo's joining us. What up? And Jeff, once again, from Classic Cigars. Hello, hello. Now that we've got everything worked out. <laughs> well, one thing you can guarantee is nobody under 18 will be listening to this podcast. Jeez, what a mess. Uh, <laughs> our brains figured it out. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far with things. Uh, what do you got tonight, Mo? Man, I don't know. Let's, uh, one thing, you know, I wanted to start uh, with is uh, just... It's nice not to have bee or cow on today. Um, Why is that, nah, Mo? Why nah, is I'm that? Kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, no, but one thing uh, that was kind of, you know, when I was thinking like, all right, yeah, let's get Jeff, you know, we're going to have Jeff on and, and things like that. I was like, you know, what can we what can we talk about? And so I, one of the, some of the stuff I'd like to is, is talk about shop stories, Jeff's customers versus the customers maybe that we have. Um, what they like to smoke, what our guys like to smoke, just as a comparison. Maybe we talk about that a little bit. But the one thing I want to start with is Jeff and I have been kind of going back a little bit, um, back and forth on, on Facebook with vintage stuff. So the one thing I wanted to open up with, and then, Drew, you go in and start smoking, like, what, an 18-year-old Dominican Cohiba the other day? No, 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 no. That was fresh. Oh, it was? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was I thought that was, like, one that you've had. No, no, no. I just picked that one up at the store. Oh, okay. So you voluntarily bought that recently. (laughs) Well, I just screwed one of his whole bits. Yeah, Yeah. there goes that. But, okay, so what I'm going to open with is what do you guys think that vintage, like, having those older cigars around, do you think it's worth it? Um, Do you think it's, it's silly to keep cigars that long? Do you think it's cool? Where do you guys stand on the whole thing? Me, first. Yeah, go for it, man. All right. Uh, no, honestly, I think it's a great idea. Um, I've seen it in other stores. I, I think it's just another good service to offer something unique that people don't always get a chance to buy something like that, nor do a lot of people maybe have the capacity to do that at home or the patients, which is more the case. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think if a store does that, that's actually great. Um but you do it I'd, personally, don't you, Jeff? I mean, you yes. have stuff. We you have stuff that's really old, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I've got you know most of my cigars at home, which are hundreds of, are you know from two thousand one to about two thousand eight. Okay. So a lot of that was some of it was definitely purposely aging. A lot of it's just mm-hmm. you know say samples and stuff from reps or trade shows that I just never got around to and just forgot about in bags and. You know, maybe sometimes never had an interest in smoking or just wanted to see how they would turn out. But, you know, because I tended to just grab stuff off the shelf when I was smoking on the job. So, mm-hmm. uh, smoking on the job. Smoking on the job. Yeah. Well, you know, and a lot of that stuff's not stuff that we carry. So I don't particularly want to be smoking in front of people when they do the old, oh, what are you smoking? You got that? No. Just yeah, right. So, exactly. you know, that, yeah. that never helps. But, um, no, I think it's a, it's a really good idea. I've seen stuff like that up at Outlaw when I was there. They had some, mm-hmm. you know, age padrones and stuff like that mm-hmm. um and it's a chance to from a retailer's perspective to offer something that maybe the other stores don't have and then mm-hmm. also obviously you get to mark it up a little bit because you, you know you're paying for 
rarity, so you're always able to mm-hmm. upmarket. So, no, I think it's a great idea. Nice. And, Drew, you're like the king. You have a bunch of old stuff, too. Um, Not as many as Jeff, but, yeah, I've got some old stuff. So yeah. this actually kind of leads me into something else. Uh, same topic, but the vintage stuff. Um, Jeff's probably smoked quite a bit of vintage stuff. Mo, have you? Have you? I mean, I see some posts every now and then, but. You know, um, I would say that I'm getting more into the vintage stuff now that. <laughs> this is going to sound. That I could actually, like, afford to smoke it. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, we know what you're talking about. Because you haven't been smoking it that long. I mean, smoking cigars yeah. that long to be able to age yeah. them that long as well. Right, yeah. No, I haven't consistently been smoking cigars like you guys have since 01. You know what I mean? Or, you know, whatever. <clears throat> Jeff even longer. So, um, um, so I, I posted, um, I believe the Camacho me and Jeff had the other night on The Noise. Mm-hmm. And somebody commented and asked how it was and... Most people think, I mean, you're talking, well, that was 2004? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, most people are like, oh, it's junk. Uh, it's all just mellowed out, and it's junk now. It's not even worth smoking. Right. And so on the noise, we um, somebody asked how it was. Well, and Jeff, see, man, the last couple of, like, vintage things that I've had have always, like, that last third is like really harsh and just not good. Um, but what cigars are those, and how old were they? Um, VSG from like 2001, 2002. Okay. Um, the, even this Comancha the other day kind of got that way for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what else I've had that old, but um, some Daniel Marshalls from that that uh, time frame. Um, By the know. way, that Daniel Marshall you gave me back when I was in Tulsa has made it to my travel humi. So that means it's going to be smoked sometime in the next two or three months. Red label? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. yeah, once it makes it to the travel humidor, <laughs> then it's, it's, it's within it, the next couple months. Next, I'll get next in line. <laughs> um, I don't know. Jeff, what have you, I mean, smoking those, have you seen? I mean, do you ever nub any of those? Do you? I mean, what do you? Yeah. Um, and, you know, the 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 tricky thing is with aging cigars is they all age differently and they go, um, through peaks and valleys as far as flavoring. Um, you know, I've found, uh, especially with like my padrones, they've gone into cycles for, you know, whether I break into them every, once every couple of years where they are taste off and then I'll go back to them a couple of years later and then they taste right again. And it's, I can't explain it. You know, it's an agricultural product that's continually chemical processes are changing. Mm-hmm. Is my is my guess with it? Um, you know, there's a. I remember a book a long time ago, uh, back in my days at Fogue, that was written by a collector in China, if I remember, and um, he didn't smoke anything that wasn't ten years old. I mean, this was one of those really wealthy guys that just bought boxes and boxes and sat on them, and yeah. he came out with this giant encyclopedia book talking about you know long term aging and that cigars do go through these little periods where they're almost unsmokable and i found it interesting but you know until you know now that my cigars are that age i see that you know i've seen that with the padrones where you know to me most cigars are optimum at that you know six months to two years across the spectrum Mm -hmm. you know and after that you know i've you know four or five years maybe they taste it off and then i go back to it and they're really good so i still have mixed luck i mean i've got you know the anniversarios from the 2002 to 2004 period and there's been times where they, I've nubbed them. They're just, 
continually just that perfect flavor from the very first puff to burning your fingers. And then I've had times it's like, man, I just had one of these exact same ones from the same box and it just didn't taste right. So it's, it's, it's interesting, but, um, you know, back to what you said about people saying, Oh, it's not going to have any flavor left. Well, yeah, they do. Um, still have a lot of flavor. So, you know, obviously it depends on the strength of the original blend anyways. So, well, that Camacho, I mean, that Camacho was good. It had some flavor. It wasn't bad. No, you know, it was good. I think it did start to lose it towards the last third. Mine didn't really turn harsh or anything, but it definitely wasn't as enjoyable as the first half of it was. Yeah. So yeah. And that's again just the chance you kind of take with long term aging. So. Yeah. Well, for who I don't even was it uh, I don't even know who SSSB. Mm-hmm. I think he's the one that asked kind of about that, and I figured yeah, Ted. I figured I'd uh, talk a little more about it, but. You know, what I would tell people, my my recommendation's always been unsello your cigars if you're going to age them and check them at six-month intervals or so. Um, And and when they're smoking perfect, I would just go ahead and and smoke them up, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and don't wait any longer, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, okay, so here's another aspect of it, though, that you have to add ego, right? Mm -hmm. I mean... I got these these cigars from X time period, and they're and their peak has already passed. But now you're at the point where you know what? I just want to keep them to say I have them. Do you think yeah. that happens? Oh sure, oh, I'm, yeah, sure. I'm sure. Honestly, of some of my collection is like that. I mean, yeah. Why smoke them at this point? I'll just keep them to say I have them, and you know, or maybe gift them to someone if they want a really cool old cigar or something, but you know, mm-hmm. there's plenty of cigars that I know of over age, you know, that are on the modern side, like some old bestsellers that I have or work of arts. I don't remember which ones mm-hmm. that are 10 plus years old. And it's already a milder cigar. And when I smoke them now, I might as well, you know, it's like smoking air. There's just <laughs> not much it. flavor left to them. I, I overdid it. And I don't think that's going to be one of those that comes back with the burst of flavor all of a sudden. Right. Right. Um, you know, I, the, and I'll tell you, listen, I barely, you know, I'll usually smoke, cigars a little bit past the band okay um but i don't i don't like smoke stuff to my fingers I, that's just not my you know i just don't do that and, and i'm not saying it's right or wrong it's just not something that i've done before um but i smoked a 2013 that singulare illusioni the other day yeah and i literally did not want that cigar to end you know and it's like i just like i mean i have to have that cigar again I have to. I mean, that is like, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, Drew and I discussed this. What, you know, this is often a, you know, I guess, I don't know, not really a pet peeve, but, you know, we talked about, did it mean, did your Singularities maintain the same flavor from start to finish? No. Or did it change? No, it changed. Okay. Changed for the better or just another good change and it was good and it was still good with the change? No, no, you mean like the the flavors in the cigar, or do you mean like yes, the, the flavors? Because you know people are all you know they look they think <clears throat> complexity means it's got to do flavor changes, and like Drew had mm-hmm. pointed out, well if it I don't if it tastes good I don't want it to change, which I oh, agree yeah. with. Sure. So did that that did sure. that cigar do a major flavor change for the better, or just little it, nuances? I, I thought it was good all throughout, but it was mm-hmm. definitely different. Like in the beginning, I felt like, and I don't. I don't want to get it. Well, it tasted like, and I tasted hints of, but you know what I mean? Like, sure. um, there was more of like that in your face, a little bit, maybe peppery kind of like citrusy maybe. And then towards the middle, man, it was like, it was like caramel. 
I mean, it was just unbelievable. I mean, I'd never, it was, it was awesome. And I, and I just like, you know, I couldn't, and it, so it kind of gave you like a spectrum of flavor, I guess, if more than anything, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, so it was, it was phenomenal. And, you know, listen, I smoked a 2014 single R, which is called Anunnaki. It's an okay cigar. You know what I mean? But the Epernay and the, uh, and the 2013 are much better. Um, and the ECCJ, I mean, he's just so good at making those really flavor bomb medium cigars. Or, in my opinion. But that's just me. Um, so since we're kind of still on that topic of the age stuff, somebody, um, this was one that we kind of chatted in a group text about, but somebody, um, bombs you with some cigars with age on them mm-hmm. and that influences to buy them. And then off oh. the shelf, they're just not as good as you had yeah. with the aged one. Yeah. Oh yeah. We talked about that. Yeah, uh, um, Dave, before he left, I believe, we mm-hmm. we discussed that a little bit. But um, I don't – I can't say I've ever been bombed anything with, like, some, some good age on it. I've sent some, and you've commented, Mo, some Opus to you. Mm-hmm. And it is yeah. different. Oh, hell yeah. They're different. Um, and, and I'll tell you, man, um, you know, and I know we've – we talk about fucking Opus, like, every podcast. But, and Bo- but, you know, Bovida. I, in Bovida, yeah, yeah, and I said that the other day at the shop, and somebody looked at me like I was half retarded. Um, but I was like, "That's the right way to say it." It is. Um, but you know, the Opus stuff. I'm starting to kind of get into that camp now, and I know that's weird. Like where, where Dave was like, "I don't want to have to buy a cigar that I have to let sit to really get it to its peak." Okay. You're in, the, um, you're in the camp that you don't want it to sit or that you do? Man, I'm almost getting to the point where, like, if I know I could have access to age stuff at some other point, then I might just let them do it, and I'll continue to buy stuff that I could smoke, like, it'll still, you know, be good right away, if that makes sense. But the flip side of that, and we've talked about this before, and, you know, the My Father Limited Edition is a perfect example, right? Like, yeah, I paid, yeah. you know, 20 bucks for it right now, let's just say. You know, if I want to go back in a year or two and buy a box of those because I like them, dude, I'm looking at, you know, 40 bucks a stick. If you can even so get them. If you could even get them. Sure right. Box, so that's the rough. downside. You know, like we have aged angel shares. They're 60 bucks a pop, man. Oh, jeez. You know what I mean? And, and like, you know, aged, can I sell you, you know, some opus. Of What's that? Can I sell you guys some of mine? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, that's the thing, man, is like, yeah, you know, I understand that that viewpoint where you're like, yeah, man, I don't know. I don't want to have to buy a cigar and let it sit to really hit its peak. But it's like, yeah, if you don't buy it when it's new, you're going to pay a lot more money if you like them when they're aged. <laughs> but how about, the, I mean, because this is my take on it. Um, yeah. If I go and I, let's say I go to the shop, I pick up something I like. I smoke it and it's it's good. It's really good. And I'm like, man, with some age, this would be awesome. So I pick up, I don't know, two or three more, and I mm-hmm. stash them back. Well, then one day I'm like, man, let's another month or two goes by. Let's revisit that when I smoke it again. Oh, they're still good. Well, the next time I go to the shop, I pick up two or three more and stash them back still. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So because you're not, I mean, there's tons of new stuff out there and different shops you go to. I mean, you, there's always something out there that you can try. And I like having just that stuff at home when I'm like, man, what should, uh, 
I, of course, I almost have the problem that it's like there's there's too many options. <laughs> right, right. Um, but I like having the option of whatever I want. I mean, mm-hmm. a shop at home type of deal to where yeah. you've got anything you want at any time. And a lot of that stuff ends up sitting and aging because of that, because I I just don't revisit it for a while. So it ends up sure. kind of getting aged anyways just, right. just by the off chance that I don't get back to it. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing I would throw in there with all of that is everyone's perspective on, you know, what's perfect for them. You know, mm-hmm. it might be perfect for someone fresh out of the box as far as an opus goes, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with someone like Carlito, he's going to put it out when he feels it's ready. And that's, you know, never rush the hands of time. I truly believe he he goes by that motto. Um, you know, he doesn't stick it out until it's ready. So in his mind, his cigars are ready and perfect right out of the box, typically. Mm-hmm. So. You know, but maybe in someone's taste, they like it to be maybe mellowed out a little because, you know, Opus are a very powerful, peppery cigar. Yeah. And that might be too much for someone. Whereas, you know, if they sit back on it for a couple of years, you know, it's knocked down a little bit in the strength and smoothed out a little bit. So a lot of people like, you know, a stronger heart, maybe even harsher cigar out of the box. So, you know, again, it's it's almost it's you can't really make it a rule on anything. I'm not saying we are, but you know, just because everyone's different with how, what they like. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Absolutely. But I would say we're, you know, if anyone were to buy cigars that maybe they like the flavor of, and, but they're getting maybe some ammonia taste or a lot of bitterness towards the end, mm-hmm. maybe then that would be, I think the good, and that does happen because not everyone definitely ages their tobacco properly, ferments it like it should be, especially in the boutique lines. Um, go ahead and then sit on those for a little while. Give them, you know, three, six months and, and revisit them and see how they are because maybe they just needed that little bit of extra time. Because also I think a lot of it boils down to, again, with especially with some of these boutique companies is, you know, they don't have the, fi- you know, the resources that a Fuente or Padron has to be able to stockpile and sit on tobacco for an extended period of time with tied up money. You know, they're sure. I mean, the, like guys like you, when you came out with your cigars, you can't afford to sit on them after they're rolled for a year. You, you know, you've made an investment. You need to see a return on that investment. So you need to put Absolutely. it out. Yeah, it's a good cigar right out of the box. But, you know, would you guys have said, yeah, if we could afford to sit on them for another six months or a year, that'd be even that much better, but that's not realistic in your situation or a lot of other people. They have to they have to get, you know, the product's good. They have to get it out the market, but sure, could it have been a little bit better with yeah. a little longer period of rest? Sure. Yeah, that's, those are fair points. Uh, Jeff Moe, um, what do you guys do? I know we visited this kind of a few times, but you guys get cigars into the shop. They come in shipped how long do you guys do you guys let them sit in the humidor for a bit? Do you guys open them up? How long before you actually put them on the shelf and ready to go sell them? Go ahead, Mo. Uh, for me, at this point, um, everything that I get is coming out of the Casa warehouse, so it's already been there. Okay. Do you know it's what? It's not. They're... It's not coming straight from. That's, yeah, I gotcha. Like a you know distributor or manufacturer or something like that. So we have our warehouse that services all three stores. Do you know how long they're... So bus- nothing's right off the truck. Yeah. No. Not, not yet. Now, we could get to that point at some point. Yeah. But as of now, no. Nothing's right off the truck that I get. Uh, for us, it's pretty much right off the truck. And I'll gauge that, you know, when the cigars come in. If I think, like a new line, um, like one of the ones I got in a couple of weeks ago, I felt like they were just a hair dry when they came in. I mean, not like dry, dry, but 
I went ahead and left them, you know, over the weekend to, to acclimate to the humidor, and then I put them out for sale. So, you know, that doesn't happen often. I mean, the manufacturers yeah. have it, you know, they're stored in optimal conditions in the warehouses. They're usually not on a, a UPS truck for more than, you know, or warehousing for more than three or four days in, in transit. So usually that's mm-hmm. not an issue. But, you know, again, that's the job of the retailer to check the cigars before they put them out. I mean, if they fill a hair dry, then let them sit for a couple of days before you stick them out. Yeah. Yeah, Drew, actually, the only ones that really were right off the truck that we put out were the Sultan cigars, and they were fine. <laughs> Didn't have any complaints. Boom. Because so, your, yeah. uh, your uh, supply warehouse is keeping them humidified. <laughs> <laughs> proper proper yeah, temp. You're, and... you're doing a great job, pal. <laughs> yeah. um, but, you know, I guess the other thing, too, um, is, Jeff, your guys is, I mean... Just have so okay. So what? I went to Tulsa. When was it, Drew? August of 2015, was it? I came down. Yeah. And then again here in May of 2016. So you're talking nine months, whatever. I can't believe Jeff, what you have done with that place. Oh, thanks. I mean, it's. I mean, is this a digital reach around? Is it, yeah, it's a digital Ver- reach around. Verbal, yeah. verbal reach around. Is it really yeah. dark over here? <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it was it was impressive, man. And then you guys just brought in a whole new bunch of boutique brands too. Uh, yeah, I've been selectively <clears throat> choosing carefully the uh, some of the boutiques because again, I'm I'm very mixed with boutique cigars. So uh, I think a lot of them typically are not always worth the price point or they just taste like any other boutique that's on the market. You know, Drew and I have been having this conversation with the, the huge influx, you know, over the last five, 10 years of Nicaraguan cigars. And, you know, they kind of, are they another, my father clone? Are they trying to be Padron, you know, or they, Mm -hmm. do they stand out on their own and they're just not another earthy cigar? Mm-hmm. You know, is it another San Andreas Maduro wrapper? Is it actually a good one? You know, so it's, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and now that you're in the retail, you'll start to discover, you know, I mean, you really got to make sure it's something that the, your customer base is going to like before you, you know, spend a thousand or $2,000 bringing in a product and hoping that it sells or getting stuck on the shelf for years. Yeah. So it's, you can't just sit there and sometimes you, you take a chance on it you know, to be early, like I've done with some of the, a couple of the lines that I've brought in recently. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you wait, give it six months, see if it's got legs and people are still ask, asking for, you know, an example would be leaf by mm-hmm. Oscar. You know, oh, yeah. I, I didn't think they were a bad cigar. The packaging's very unique and brilliant. Um, it's a good display in that, in that box. Um, you know, but I decided to wait and see if it's stuck around, if it maintained its its popularity, and it has, I've you know I've had a lot of people ask for it over the last year. So we we brought it in, and it's mm-hmm. selling well. But you know there was ones I wanted to be first in in the game in you know stuff like Fable or Postania, which are yeah. Nicosuena cigars. That you're a Nicosuena whore. You're like I, you're like uh, a, you're a Nicosuena <laughs> like ta, like how guys are tat whores. You're a Nicosuena whore. I am. You know, and a, a lot of that's my respect for Skip and just knowing the perfection that he puts into everything. Um, you know, and that's not to say that I like everything personally that skip makes, but I can always say that it's good quality. The aging's right. You know, he, he does, he knows what he's doing and he does it perfect. So I have a lot of respect for that. And I want to support that because I wish more P 
people in the industry had his mentality. So, you know, I, I do like to support his factory. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, it, it still needs to be a good cigar. I'm not going to go spending my, you know, my boss's money on something just because I like the factory if I don't think it's going to sell. Right. So, you know, I, obviously, you know, the Postanias, I, I tried, liked them. The Fable, you know, I tried, liked it. So I brought them in, but, you know, there's probably less than 30 accounts for each of those two brands in the nation. You know, so I'm very fortunate to, especially with Fable, um, Mm -hmm. to have those. You know, Postania's gotten a little bit more, but they're still relatively new. Or the, you know, the Chogui that they distribute, um, Mm -hmm. which is not a Roma product, but it's uh, it's out of Dominican, is another one that I really fell in love with. Yeah, Um, I heard good things about that. Now, do you guys carry that? Yes, I brought that in. Oh, okay, cool. So it's, uh, you know... Picking again, picking and choosing the right boutiques, trying to get the stuff that someone else doesn't have. You know, I'm the only one in the state that's got those, and so it's it's a it's a good feather in the cap for the store. You know, and it, it's good to build up relations with people. You know, the relationship mm-hmm. with Postania helped me with my relationship with Fable, so it's 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 always good. Yeah. So, Jeff, you kind of touched on uh, this a little bit, but. Your feelings on uh, Dominican tobacco mm-hmm. versus like Nicaraguan versus anything else? Yeah. Mo, this is kind of leading into our conversation from earlier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you are you ready for this? Who me or Jeff? Uh, you. Oh yeah. Okay. What about him? Um, what's your, what's your take on, on the Dominican? So, okay. Me, me and Mo had a, a, a short discussion earlier. We wanted to mm-hmm. save it kind of for the podcast, um, about the, the, the uses of Dominican tobacco are kind of coming back now. There's, there's a, a, a small group, I think of, um, people that have realized, oh, let's, let's try a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can make better and more stuff. And you're seeing, starting to see more and more of that now. Uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, um, it's both. There's still a ton of just Nicaraguan puros coming out, or I would say puros, just dominant Nicaraguan flavors um, on the market. But I think people are wanting, you know, I think it can go for a lot of people. You know, you smoke enough of one thing after a while, you're you're going to want something different. And Dominican tobacco definitely has a completely different flavor profile mm-hmm. from the Nicaraguan stuff. So it's, uh, you know, I prefer a little bit more varied flavors. I prefer, you know, less of the super peppery, earthy cigars. I like, you know, they're a little bit more sweeter or slight spiciness, you know. And so, you know, you just get different flavors from different different types of tobacco. So, I mean, again, it's just personal preference, but I, I'm glad to see that people are starting to venture off and try different flavor profiles as opposed to, you know, we went through that period where everything had to be kicking your ass and, <laughs> you know, people are finally starting to realize, Hey, there's, there can be flavor with these two as, you know, as opposed to just feeling a nicotine rush. Mm-hmm. So, and you know, it's sure. I mean, but you can still have super, you know, some really strong Dominican cigars. I mean, La Flor, you know, they, <laughs> they use Ecuadorian wrappers and all that stuff. But again, you know, most of it, their tobacco is grown on his farms in Dominican. So whether it was the LG or your Double Aheros, um, you know, that can still be just as strong as anything from Nicaragua, but a completely different flavor. It, it, unbelievable how much LFD we sell. 
unbelievable. Yeah, I'm good cigars. So, yeah, um, yeah they've they've kind of got their own niche in the market. Oh yeah, absolutely. You got guys looking for it like that. Just dude, I just want something strong. And, you know, the price points aren't crazy. Like, dude, a digger. I don't know how much it is by you guys, but by us, it's like with tax and everything, like thirteen bucks. Ten for me. Yeah, so a couple we're a couple bucks more expensive, but dude, that's like a four hour cigar if you if you smoke slow. What you know, what are you looking for, Jeff? Oh, oh my lighter, it's in my pocket. <laughs> Got so much room down there, I lose things. Yeah, you guys playing grab ass over there? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm with Drew though. My my two favorite LFDs are. Uh, the Oro and the Lenox. And, and honestly, the Small Batch 6 is unbelievable. That's a great cigar. The Leo Gomez, so. But um, what I... So I had a funny... Uh, so I was telling somebody about our, you know, party, podcast, cigar cast, whatever, the other day. And they're like, so wait, let me get this straight. You guys just talk about cigars. And they're like, why? Kind of. <laughs> And, you know, I wasn't 100% sure how to answer it, but, you know, I just said to him, I said, look, man, there's a lot of podcasts that are out there that are going to talk, you know, they're going to give you plethora of information. Because, you know, for the most part, we're still outsiders in a lot of ways. We don't necessarily, you know, we haven't really been to the big conventions. We don't, you know, so we're kind of just, I don't know, I think that's what makes our podcast a little bit different is we just, I feel like we're talking like as if we're just hanging out. Like, honestly, we would be having this conversation at Classic right now if I was still living there. And we were sitting on the couches. Right? Agreed. That's the they are. That's how it, I don't that's how we want it to be. I mean hanging you out. Know, I think you can get lounge. too technical with I mean, some of these people just you know, you were talking about the, all the different flavors they taste, and maybe they can. I I can't pick up all those nuances and half the time it's either just a really good cigar or didn't care for it. So, you know, I think people can get a little too, uh, like you said, nerdy about some of the stuff and be, but yeah. So Mookow. I think the biggest issue is, is if you're going to, if you're going to get a, to that level with a cigar, I feel like you almost have to go into a meditative state. Like there can't be anything else on your mind. I mean, you have to be able to, like, you got to be one of those people that could just go sit by yourself or whatever for an hour, two hours, whatever it takes you to smoke a cigar and really give it your full attention for for you to, I guess, from like hit that like nirvana or whatever, you know, where you're, you're tasting all this different stuff. I would almost Some, feel like. Someone tasted something in that cigar? Oh, well, I missed that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Dave used to do that. Remember, he would say, "Well, yeah." He had to be in the right. He hadn't eaten anything or drank anything or something, mm-hmm. and he'd have to be all by himself. And it's well, like, man, well, that's ex- well, that's where I got it from. Yeah. I mean, you know, just listening to him and how he gets ready to do his reviews and stuff like that. Like, I mean, well, there's definitely. I mean, you, outside factors. I mean, you know, we're in a bad mood and pick up a cigar yeah. you're really going to enjoy it as much or what you ate which is a huge i mean god if i have you know italian food there's no way in hell i'm going to smoke anything really good or age because you know all that tomato sauce all the acidity is just completely messed up my my taste bud so i mean a lot of that can affect what you're what you're going to mm-hmm. perceive from the cigar 
So, yeah, I think definitely being in a in the right situation to really, if you're going to be critiquing a cigar and give it a fair critique, you know, you need to pay attention to what you're drinking, what you've ate before, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of mood you're in. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dude. Well, what else? Where else do we miss that son of a gun? Mo, what? Uh, let's talk maybe regional popularity. I had this discussion with um, one of my reps in the store. Um, he's in the accessories side, so it wasn't cigar. Uh, but he, you know, we were talking about you know different brands being popular in different parts of the country. You know, like sure. for, there's certain cigars that I would say have always been popular in, say, the East Coast, something like mm-hmm. Nat Sherman, which makes yeah. good cigars. But yeah. you know, they for the longest time have had a hard time getting a foothold in the central part of the country, especially down here. Um, you mm-hmm. know, it's just not as well-known a name, whereas up there it's an institution. Absolutely. So, I mean, do, do yeah. those brands, I mean, Chicago's an institution town. So does that brand particularly do well in Chicago? Nat Sherman? Um, not not necessarily. Not, not a lot of people ask for it, man, to be okay. honest with you. And I think part of that is price point. Okay. I think part of that is, you know, I mean, some of their cigars are very affordable and they're, you know, and they're not bad, but the problem is there's just better stuff at those price points. I feel like with similar taste profiles, mm-hmm. uh, but like, dude, I smoked a timeless, uh, natural and timeless, uh, two weeks ago. And that's a good cigar, man. And I've tried to get guys to give it a shot, but who does it appeal to? I mean, that's my question. You know, like their lighter stuff, I've tried to push it to guys, but then you get scared by the price points, you know? Um, I'm but like, is it any more expensive than, you know, you have, forgive me because I haven't carried this stuff. But No, but they've never had Nat Sherman before. Like okay, you said, I mean, the, the, it, it's the same price point as, say, an Ashton or a, a Diamond Crown. Right, exactly. You know. Yes, exactly. But guess what? Guys have heard of that. Like you said, Nat Sherman is an institution on the East Coast. It doesn't carry that same weight. Okay. You know, like like in in our area, you know, um, like even like uh, I'm trying to think of another. There's there's plenty of examples of like like that. I, I um, but I don't know. Sometimes I get I don't want to like piss somebody off and mention a brand and then sure, get mad, sure. But, I mean, but yeah, I mean, there are certainly regional differences. Even just I mean, living in Tulsa and coming back here, I mean, I see stuff that you know guys. Don't even mention here that guy smoked in Tulsa. Oh, and you, you know? guys do the same thing all the time. Yeah. I'm like, what is that? Never seen that. And you guys are mm-hmm. smoking them up. And I think the, <laughs> the, the boutiques, you know, definitely down here, I think, are in the southern part of the country are definitely a little bit stronger, especially because No doubt you know, about it. I mean, you've got a lot of them that are just flat out based out of Texas, and the Texas market has just become such a major powerhouse in cigars that yep. they haven't filtered their way up north yet. I, I think so. you're 100% right. I really do. Um, and truthfully, man, there's some of them that I think never will. Yeah, agreed. Uh, you know, I've, ha- I've had the opportunity to smoke a lot of those brands, um, partly because of just being exposed to UG and then and then obviously having Drew and you uh, down in Tulsa and stuff. But I just don't see a lot of those being able to make a mark up here, in my opinion. Um, I think it would be tough for them. Yeah, uh, probably. I mean, if, if people aren't on the, you know, and a lot of that would be 
they're so dependent on social media and if people aren't probably paying it in the right groups, like you said, the UG or whoever will never have heard of them. They're not going to be cigar aficionado pushed, you know, right. which people don't pay really that much attention to that magazine down here, but more in the New York's, the LA's, the Chicago's people probably still do read that because it also fits a lifestyle that's more in line with the people in those places, you know, a little wealthier, you know, that like reading about golf, every issue. No, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, we want to talk reality. I think that's a great point. I think that is reality. You know, um, I think I will say both places, though, um, no matter where I've been, price is a big thing for everybody, too. There's got to be that value proposition. You know, I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to get a guy to give a new brand a shot, if you're if you're above that eight to ten dollar range, man, it's tough. It's tough. Unless the guy who's in the shop knows how to push that cigar. In my opinion. Very true. You know. Especially in the brick and mortar stores. Yeah. I'm a little luckier in my setting being a bar where there's a lot more travelers and business people that they're, I think, Mm -hmm. a little more willing and open to trying. I'm not as hesitant to try a $10 to $15 cigar. So I have to be careful, you know, smaller orders and make sure it's going to go. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely a huge factor is the price. And it's just, but, you know, I've also come to finally grips that just almost anything nowadays is going to be at least over $8. There's very rarely a great cigar that's coming out under $8 for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whether that's on purpose or it's just because of the the cost of the tobacco. Yeah, I mean, I know for us it was, we, we really wanted to stay in like a six or seven dollar price point like especially with the legacy but it's just impossible it's impo- i mean literally impossible there's no way yeah um but well and i think the price point that you got it at is still very fair so i mean yeah if you guys were able to do you know four times the order would your price have gone down a little bit i'm sure it probably would have but again it's what you can afford to do absolutely yeah absolutely and, and you know and, and too like and look, you know, obviously you've listened to our podcast. We don't talk much about our cigars and stuff. But, I mean, for a value proposition, dude, the Max Press could be a two- or three-hour cigar, depending on how you smoke. That's a slow-burning cigar. You know, I feel like that's a damn good value proposition on that. <laughs> so, or I'm, prou- I'm proud of that. For you, like a 45-minute cigar. Yeah. Yeah, but, but that's because I'm fucking, I'm weird. <laughs> but I've learned to smoke slow. I smoke a lot slower now than I used to. That that is true. Even last time you were here, you were a little slower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've learned to. Chicago's uh, making I really soft. take my time. You should try, you know, smoking half an inch and saying it's crap and just setting it down. It's really relieving. <laughs> <laughs> I'll t- you know what I did? I couldn't believe I did this the other day. You I actually, did it. I actually no, I got through three quarters of it, Damn. but after a while, I just I just couldn't. And it was out of one of my favorite brands. And, and I just, I couldn't believe it. I guess, I guess my palate has changed quite a bit, but it's a cigar that I used to love. And I was just like, oh, fuck, can't do this. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was weird. Because normally, I'll, even if I don't like it, I'll smoke it all the way. But. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Growing up. Mm. <sighs> but, uh, yeah. What else you got, Drew? I don't have anything, guys. This was a a pretty... Jeff, are you going to IPCPR? I will be there. Let's talk about that. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, this will be my first one. So this podcast will come out Friday night. Yeah. So from Friday night, um, how long till the show? Uh, over uh, another week. week. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So another yeah, week. 24th through the 28th. And you're there yeah. for, uh, what is it, two or three days? I'm there Monday and Tuesday. So I'll be there for the first two days. Uh, first two days of the actual trade show part, the uh, or the, the four part. Sunday is more of just kind of lectures and stuff like that. So they're not actually selling anything on that day. But, um, cool. yeah, it's a, it's a fun event to go to. It's definitely, uh, if you've never been to it, you'll be, you'll be, uh, pretty impressed. So it's, a it's a lot of work. You've got to do it efficiently and right, depending on how much time you got. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, I've kind of got my first day booked up with most of the major companies, half of my second day. And then the last half of it, I'll kind of spend on accessories and pipes. Cause that pipes especially kind of take a little while um, to go through. So you kind of got to give yourself a little time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it'll be, I mean, this show is going to be more interesting than any of the previous, not, you know, the, uh, just because of all the FDA crap, all these cigar companies are throwing out just an incredible amount of cigars to beat the, the August, mm-hmm. you know, deadline. So I'm curious to see the quality of what's going to be there and you know, hopefully these companies, you know, a lot of them have been planned, but I'm curious to see what might have been rushed just to get it out there. So they're not, you know, after the deadline and out money. So, so we I hope that's not a huge, a huge number of cigars, but I'm sure there will be some like that. We talked about uh, that on another podcast. And I mean, you, you, you think there's a bunch that are going to be rushed that really mm-hmm. aren't going to be ready? Honestly, yes. I think, I mean, they're not going to say it. Yeah, but of I course. Think, I mean, I've seen the number. I mean, I was looking through the half wheel list today of all the new stuff this year and a lot of it's going to be coming out of the show. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. You know, there's, but there's just a lot of cigar companies out right now. And there's, you know, they've gone to releasing all throughout the year. So there's just a lot of cigars back when it used to pretty much be predominantly every new cigar was released at the show with a couple of rare occasions, maybe a seasonal cigar, you know, is different. But now with this, you know, people releasing throughout the year, you know, there's just more options anyways than previous years. But, you know, I'll tell you, um, it'll be interesting, uh, for a lot of different reasons, but, um, I really think I'm with you, Jeff. I think a lot of things will be rushed. I don't even know. I guess. Yeah. I, I don't know. I got some thoughts, but probably don't want to talk about it on the podcast <laughs> but anyway so uh <laughs> <laughs> come on no come you know, on. it's just you know it's it, sometimes it's not worth being uh rocking the boat too much but um i'm looking forward to it i'll be there i get in sunday afternoon and i leave wednesday morning so be my first time in las vegas too oh so you are going i am going yeah just found out today okay no, I was going to ask Actually, you. about two hours ago. <laughs> oh, there you go. Awesome. Um, two hours ago. What are you talking about? He found out two hours ago. Uh, that's that when I was found out. Oh, 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 okay. Good. Um, Brand that you had, that I saw you on Facebook, um, That what, what's this new cigar that you're part of? Um, so the brand is, it, it'll be, it'll be Patina uh, Cigars. That's a new brand. Uh, um. That's just a solo project, so it'll be me. 
and um, working with Mombacho and, and kind of got an opportunity to hit it off with those guys. Um, so, yeah, man. Now, this is one of the ones that you were kind of – you're doing through CASA, right? You were kind of doing the – It's is it something that's that's a CASA exclusive that you no. were – No. No, this is just you. No, yeah, no, it's going to be me, and it's going to – we're going to hopefully try to get it all over. Yeah, so I'll be on the road probably starting later this – early fall probably. But I'm still learning the shop side right now, so – now, talk a little bit about Mombacho. I mean, I'm familiar with the name. Yeah. I know they did a, a brief distribution stint a year or so ago with, with mm-hmm. Skip, but I guess it didn't work out. Um, mm-hmm. Just talk talk about the company a little bit and their cigars because yeah. they're still kind of an unknown brand. Yeah, so people. sure. So um, they're very big in Europe, uh, very big in Canada, which, um, you know, really was pretty cool. Um, I think that in my opinion, that allows you to really have a broad distribution network, if you will, um, with that name, I guess. Um, so even though it's not huge in the U.S., um, I'm not worried about the U.S. I'm going to hustle my ass off in the U.S. You know what I mean? But um, More than you do now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, if, if that, that could open doors internationally, that's big, you know? But um, overall, um, so they make the Mombacho Liga Maestro, um, and they make the Tierra Vulcan, which now is just packaged, I think. No, it's now packaged as Tierra Vulcan uh, in the U.S. Um, they're, they're more medium, um, but, like, the flavor is kind of full, but they're more me- they're like medium-strength cigars, if that makes sense. Um, the master blender is uh, Claudios Groy, who um, was actually who actually learned how to blend under Henke Kellner from Davidoff. So, that's Good person kind of to learn under. Yeah, not a bad guy. Yeah, it's, where's it's their like, factory out of? Uh, Granada, uh, Nicaragua. Okay. So. Now, is most of their tobacco Nicaraguan, or are they pretty much all over the place? All over the place. Um, I think they're. I'm pretty sure the Tierra Vulcan uses an Indonesian Sumatra wrapper or Indonesian something like that wrapper. Um, so, yeah, they're all over. He, I mean, the thing about Claudio, and, th- and this was actually a big selling point, you know, when we got to the opportunity to potentially work with him, um, was his willingness to try new and crazy things. Awesome. And I, and I think part of that is because he learned under Henke. Because Henke does crazy shit, right? I mean, those blends that Davidoff has, nobody's fucking around with tobacco like that. You know what I mean, if that makes sense? Um, you know, if you look at, like, a Year of the Monkey, Ecuadorian Habano, San Andreas Maduro Binder, uh, Peruvian, Brazilian, Dominican filler, you know, Nicaraguan. Um, just, the, just to have somebody that, that is not afraid to go in there and, and really uh, try different things and push the envelope, uh, that's awesome. And that's kind of what he's like. And he's, well, an engin- and he's an engineer, so his fermentation process is like, you know, and he's Italian, so it's like a Ferrari factory. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's just second to none. I mean, it's, a, it's an unbelievable operation. Um, they don't fuck around. Well, and they've definitely changed their whole concept over the last several years. I mean, starting with the the Nicaraguan, because there, I mean, though for the longest time, you know, Davidoff was 
purely mm-hmm. for the most part Dominican tobacco, mm-hmm. you know, with that Connecticut yeah. shade wrapper. I mean, you can even say the Avos being part of the same company again. If you look mm-hmm. at their core, you know, three or four cigars, mm-hmm. typically we're almost always Dominican filler binder with the Ecuadorian yeah. wrapper. So, I mean, there yeah. wasn't a whole lot of variety to me until, you know, he came out with that Nicaraguan. Then Nicaragua. like he just started yes. experimenting with everything else. Yes. And, you know, because there for a long time, Davidoff was just that one singular flavor and people mm-hmm. either really liked it and spent the money on it or if they didn't. But now that's they're it. definitely appealing to a lot broader range of people. That's exact, And that's exactly right. I mean, it's like Drew said, too. You know, Drew brought up a great point. You think guys are going to go and start doing this stuff. Well, when you see guys like Davidoff doing it, it's only a matter of time before everybody else starts doing it, too. You know, I think I think they're going to be maybe leaders in that, you know, doing the different things. But I heard their new Dominican Puro is supposed to be awesome. That uh, Yamasa, but I haven't mm-hmm. smoked it yet. Well, Drew, I you'll mean... Probably like that one. I was going to say, the, 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 that's not really new, though, I would say, just because, I mean, you could throw companies, even like General and Altidus, I mean, for the longest time, they've been using tobaccos from various countries. It really wasn't until this, to me, honestly, I mean, yeah, you've always kind of had your Dominican Puros on the milder side forever. Yeah. You know, Honduras, when it got big in the early, mid-2000s, there was definitely some mm-hmm. Honduran Puros, your Camacho, stuff like that. Um, but... You know, General Altidus, those companies were always experimenting, especially you know, Altidus. I can think, on, honestly, Altidus was, I think, a lot, they were the first, and it's probably just because they're so big, to use tobaccos from odd places and to make these right. multinational blends. I mean, I, I think if they but, were probably the Jeff, first one I remember for using Ecuador and Connecticut on the Reserva Real. But, Jeff, on a high level, I'm talking on, like, sure, really, sure, okay. really, I'm talking like doing it and doing it in a way where you're like, this is unbelievable. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, so like if you if you go start a cigar shop, let's just say tomorrow, and you bring in a bunch of stuff that nobody else has, but it doesn't work out because nobody wants to smoke that, it doesn't matter, right? But mm-hmm. you've, like, you look at what you've done with Classic, you've, you've revamped that humidor, you've brought in all this different stuff that some people don't even have yet, like you said, I'm the first door in the state to have this, I'm, you know, one of the leaders in this. Now, all of a sudden, people want to come to your shop. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I can go play around with a bunch of different tobaccos, but if the final product is not something that people want to smoke. But yeah, you can't all- just throw it all together and hope yeah. that it turns out mm-hmm. well. Exactly. And I, and I understand that with some of the bigger companies. Yeah, they're just, you know, throwing stuff into a stew and, you know, the product is different. Maybe, hopefully it'll work. A guy brings, um, I'll give you a perfect example of this. A guy brings me, he said, hey, man, my dad, all he smokes is the 1875 Reserva Real by uh, Romeo Julieta or Habana Reserva or something like that with the mm-hmm. brown uh, the brown band the reserves yeah yeah so I'm looking at the so I'm looking at the blend and it's like Ecuadorian Habano wrap or something like that wrapper and it's got Nicaraguan and Honduran filler and stuff like that so yeah I mean they use a bunch of different stuff I've never smoked that cigar I don't know but you know based on the blend I suggested him something you know mm-hmm. and I said okay maybe you want to try this because we didn't have it but I mean, again, you know, you're, yeah, you're using a bunch of different stuff, but I mean, out of us three would either, I mean, I've never smoked it. I don't know if you guys have, but would you even consider it? Would you even pick it up? It's not. Yeah. Yeah. What you're saying, it's not going to be the first thing that I, I pick up. I mean, I, you know, our, I think our responsibility is to at least try it. I mean, to be able to, yeah, to, we don't have it or you know, be able would. to tell people about it as opposed to just right. telling them the ingredients in there. So, 
I'm, yeah. I'm guilty of not always smoking everything that's comes through. Actually, I saw, dude, today was a perfect example, and Drew gave me shit for this too. Um, I smoked. <laughs> when, when do I not though? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, if dude, I swear to God, if like if I just hung around Drew all day, I'd have zero confidence and zero self esteem. But um, the uh, I smoked a new Macanudo. I don't know if you've smoked that yet, Jeff. The uh, or newer, I guess, the Inspirado with the orange band. I think I tried it. It wasn't a bad cigar. I mean, it's definitely different for them. It is, and and you know what? I was pleasantly surprised. I told like the first couple pauses, like, wow, okay, this is. But then it had like some complexity. It was pretty decent. Like I would recommend that, especially to a newer cigar smoker that's like maybe just graduating from the flavored stuff and things like that. Like it's a good cigar. Now I don't know if a veteran cigar smoker is going to pick it up and love it. But I definitely think there's a market for it, you know? Yeah, no, agreed. And sometimes taking the band off and giving it to someone that's a good customer and mm-hmm. they're saying, here, yeah. try this, buy this, you know, just trust me on it. Mm-hmm. You know, that way they'd get past the stigma of, oh, God, I had some acne. I mean, I, you know, Drew and I, when we were smoking the other night, I was talking, you know, or someone, I was like, you know, I have always liked the Macanudo vintage Maduros, the vintage mm-hmm. lines have always been, a, they're yes, they're milder, but they've got a lot of flavors and they, yeah. they, they get some really great quality Connecticut broadleaf. It's very rich. It's got that mm-hmm. nice, unique sweetness to it. And you know, I, I could care less that it says Macanudo on the band. It's a good cigar. Yep. And, and dude, Drew, uh, like Drew's a big EP Carrillo guy. Oh Yeah. You know, Love and see, he got me into E.P. Carrillo and I didn't even know, you know, I mean, I've heard of him, of course, but I never really would have smoked a lot of the E.P. Carrillos that I have smoked. It wasn't for Drew. Yeah, they're good cigars, good price points. Mm-hmm. So, so a lot and, of it, Well, exa- and you know what I like Drew got me into it. And now I got other guys into E.P. Carrillo that never would have been considered it. You know, like Maduro smokers, because their Maduros mm-hmm. are awesome, and oh, especially yeah. for the price point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Not Oscurio was a good smoke, and yep. La Historia, mm-hmm. yeah, one of the better oh, San Andreas. Yeah, that's yeah. a very popular cigar. But, you know, some of that, you know, most people have heard, I mean, you can at least get them to buy it, but it's because, you know, you can, if you can say, you know, if they've heard of La Gloria Cubana, which is a legend, you know. Yes. You know, just kind of give them the background on who the brand is actually is. This isn't yep. some newcomer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah. Um. Mo, what are you smoking, man? Oh, the tat, uh, Skinny Jason. Finally opened up the box. Nice. <laughs> nice. And? So. What do you think? <laughs> <Uh-oh>. um, <laughs> you're not a... Uh, nah. You're not a uh, Lancero fan. Okay, so it's funny you bring that up. You know, we talk about palace changing. We should talk about Vitola preference changing. Yeah. We don't we don't talk enough about that, and um, actually I don't think we've talked about it at Probably all. Ever, and maybe yeah. you guys will chime in, so I'll just get it kickstarted real quick. Um, I have found myself enjoying Lanceros a lot more recently, but my favorite size has become uh, like a Corona Gorda. Okay, that's probably my my that and a Robusto. Um, I'm not. I don't know, man. I've kind of gotten away from the Toros a little bit. Yeah. Um, why do you Recently. think? Why do you think? Is it the pure reason to to smoke more or try more? Yes. Or do you? Okay. I think that's a big part of it because, like Jeff said, when you have a humidor full of shit and then you realize that you've only smoked twenty percent of it, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you need to start smoking other stuff, and so a lot of times, 
if it's something that I have never smoked before, I'm not sure if I'm going to like it. I try a smaller size in case I don't. Yeah. If that makes sense. And I do that a lot. I'll buy a smaller size generally to try something new. Yeah. Yeah. In case I don't like it or. Because you're a Toro guy. Yeah. I generally like Toros. I like like a, a number two or I really enjoy probably my favorite is like a, like a perfecto Mm -hmm. size. Yeah. 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 So I always buy something that's kind of influenced that smaller range. Jeff, what do you, uh, has yours changed over years? I mean, not really. Um, but you know what I tell a lot of people, especially when they're getting into cigars because they're willing to take chances is, you know, you find a blend that you like, I tell them, try the different sizes, try the different ring gauges because of how much that will affect the flavor. And absolutely. And people don't realize that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, I mean, it's amazing how much that can just alter a cigar. Um, is for me personally, I, I'm always been more t- typically a Robusto fan. Um, Corona's, you know, Corona Gorda again, you know, most, most blenders typically blend around that Corona Gorda size to a Robusto size when they're making a blend. So I think that's usually the, the end achievement is what they're going after. And that is represented in that size as far as what flavor profile they're going after. So, um, but there's sometimes just I'll pick up a size and it's like, holy crap, you know, like, um, Saka was by the store about a month ago and we hung out before we opened for a good two or three hours, just talking shop. And he gave me that, you know, that new one where he gave me both of them, a little short Churchill, we smoked those. And, um, but he gave me one of the ones, the Cedar wrap, the Churchill size. And I got around to smoking that a week ago and holy crap, that thing was unbelievable. I mean, right. it's, but I usually don't grab a Churchill size. Hey, I don't typically want to spend that long smoking a cigar. Um, but yeah, but when you only smoke it, it was out of the way, what does it matter? Exactly. So <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's amazing. The, the differences in the, in the sizes. So, um, you know, try different, you know, for everyone, just try different sizes and lines. I mean, cause it is huge. Um, you know, you're talking Lanceros. I've, personally never been a huge lancero fan just because i find them to be very harsh in most blends mm-hmm. you know but people that smoke stronger cigars like you guys do compared to me can you know can handle the the strength that are in those you know as long as i've been smoking cigars i still don't like a you know a super strong cigar unless it's really smooth um and that doesn't always come out very often yeah. so absolutely what would you say uh and drew this is to you too yep what do you guys feel is an awesome representative of a strong but smooth cigar. Jeff, what do you got, man? Um, hmm. That's tough. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, you it? can, you know. I mean, we're talking a you know a really full flavor cigar that's still that's still smooth. Um, gosh, man. See now that you brought that up, the those EPCs, EPC Maduro. Ah, see, those aren't like full, full though. No, I mean, they're not. I wouldn't um, say that. One, the one I've been enjoying the most here recently that's really become one of my go-to's is that Postana, that Broadleaf Bellicoso. I mean, it's my favorite size. Yeah, that's pretty. Uh, yeah. I love the bellies, and you know, it's it's got a lot of flavor packed into it. Um, it still maintains the smoothness. So, and, you know, I, I 
unsettled them all and I've let them sit for, you know, however long, four or five months. And they're fan right now. I mean, just right now they're just fantastic. I'm probably going to blow through that box in the next month, but smoking really well. Yeah. They're smoking really, they're really tasty. Boom. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they got plenty of sleep. Definitely. <laughs> Here's another, in, in Drew and I talk about the, or we talked about this when I, I came to visit Drew and we were down in Tulsa. When I first lit that cigar up, I was like, okay, Cro-Magnon 2.0. And then after like that first, probably initial quarter maybe, or even eighth of the cigar, they're completely different, much different than the Cro-Magnon. But I really felt when I first lit it up, I was like, God, this is like going to be a Cro-Magnon. That's actually a good cigar, and you're right. Very smooth. Yeah, yeah. It's None of them are clones, so... Which is, you know, and I'm sure they, they didn't want a clone. They wanted, you know, yeah. something different with their own name on there. Yeah. So, absolutely. What do you say, Mo? What do you got? You got one in mind? <sighs> Man, it, that's a tough question. Yeah. Um, to me... Maybe, man... It, it would have to be like, a, like okay, um, just one that comes to mind would be an HR. Yeah. Minus the last third. <laughs> uh, Unless it's the A size. Anyway. Yeah. What's that? Unless it's the new A size. Oh, the new A size is going to be fantastic. That's oh, going to be great. Um, that cigar's got some kick to it, too. It, it I does. Mean, I mean, you know, well, it, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say the last couple that I had, I was kind of like, whoa, wait a second. You know, and I've had them for a good year now. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think an HR for a lot of folks is still going to be on the stronger side. You but have, I think it's awfully really smooth. You have HRs at the shop, or you just have some? No, no I, I... Oh, sorry. I, oh, who, me or Mo? Jeff. <laughs> sorry. Uh, no, no, I don't have them anymore. I bought the rest of them out. <laughs> <laughs> so. Jeff does this. And I'm, I'll, I'll always text Jeff and be like, hey, man, you getting these in? He'll be like, I don't know. Let me find out. So he'll, he'll message his rep. He'll call me back or text me and be like, yeah, we got a box or two coming in. And then you know what he does? Buys them all. And I then I'm no like, hey, hey, where's those cigar? Where hey, are those hey, cigars those coming HRs in? Were on the shelf oh, for a long time. I sold them last ahead. month. I, well, like, I went ahead it, and bought them out. I'll tell you, it's tough to get guys to even with the. First of all, most guys don't even know who Robena is in yeah. the U.S. Which, you know, and, and so it's hard to set. And the Davidoff guy is not going to like a fucking HR. So when you're in that twenty dollar price range, it's tough to get a guy who's smoking. You know, my father Lafleur de Antilles for seven fifty to go. Fuck it, I'm going to take a twenty dollar chance on an HR. It's tough. Or even a Lantigua Dad, which would be a little closer to that. Right. You know that yeah. strength for you know, right, right. Still under ten dollars. Right. Exactly. And now what we have gotten guys to go into is the new Corona size, which debuted by us. And that size is actually outside of the A, the best size in that cigar. Nice. Um, it's phenomenal. Drew, I'll have to send you some, man. Yes, you um, will. But, uh, yeah, so I, that's a – but, yeah, it's tough. It, like you guys said, it's very tough to find that at equilibrium. It's not easy. Which, man, you did you just smoke a Lenox the other day? I did. Yeah, man. Has, has that one sit a little while? Um, that one, I, I think, if it sit a little, it would be pretty freaking smooth, and it's a it's a fairly strong cigar. I, yeah, it's got some kick to it. You don't know. I would have. I would. <laughs> um, 
That one or the the it, Oro it Six okay. uh, comes to mind too. Which one? It's pretty smooth. The Oro Six. Yeah, yeah. LFD. But I'll tell you what, that has. <laughs> Depending on who's smoking it, that could have some kick, man. Oh yeah, it does. That's, That's what not I'm a light cigar. It's a, it's a strong think, cigar, you know, but uh, with Lafleur, that that actually one that I think that they make in the lineup that I think is a great example. of What we're trying to to come to mind is just the regular Lajero cabinets. That has got a mm-hmm. ton of flavor, mm-hmm. um, but it's still on that smooth medium as far mm-hmm. as strength wise. So. I, to me personally, I think that's a, one of those great examples of what we were trying to figure something out for yeah. me. The, the best example that I could think of in the, like the recent is honestly the My Father 2016. That would be the best example I could think of. It's um, It's got some strength to it, but it's not overpowering and it's very smooth. The uh, White Bajou? White Bajou? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even with the Pelo de Oro, it's still smooth? I haven't smoked it yet. Yeah, I think so. Um, okay. You know... It's very. I was expecting, like Jeff said earlier, and you, you know, you've t- we, you and I have talked about this too, Drew. Is like when I lit it up, man. I was expecting, okay, here comes the pepper, right? Um, here comes whatever. Uh, you're talking Ecuadorian uh, Bono Oscuro wrapper. So I'm like, okay, you know, and, and then when I think of that, I think of the fucking Fosto Esteli, which will put you on your ass sometimes, you know, depending on, you know, what you've eaten or what kind of state you're in, and. Um, <laughs> Not like physically state, like, but I mean, yeah, you know. Uh, I gotcha. <laughs> but, yeah, but um, dude, it was just smooth. It was just smooth. Uh, now, a regular Labajou knocks me on my ass, and I don't know why. Hmm. I'll never be able to figure it out. I smoked at Churchill the other day, and I was just like, what, whoa, where am I? And I'm not sure why. That cigar does that. Which me. we decided, too. That's It's just a different wrapper, right? It is, okay. yeah. The, the blend's the same. Blend's the same. Different wrapper on on the cigar. Mm-hmm. So you're saying it's worth the uh, like twenty three bucks? Oh, it absolutely is. Especially if you listen, if you're a my father guy, absolutely. I thought it was the same wrapper. It just had the the added pillow de oro in it. See, I thought I thought I, I thought, thought that's what I read. Wrapper. I thought it was different wrapper and pillow de oro into the blend. But I believe that even the regular Labajou has the pillow de oro in it. But it is a different wrapper, hundred percent. No, the the, uh, the Pelador is not in the the regular okay, because so, so they, they really made it a point of saying that this is you know this is seed they grow that they put into this cigar. Okay, I could have swore I'll have to double check, but I thought it was the same you know the Ecuadorian Oscuro wrapper that was on the regular mm-hmm. Labuschagne. No, it's definitely the different wrapper, one hundred percent. Because we talked about this on the last podcast, yeah. and Abe said okay. the same thing to me, and then I fucking owned them on it. So <laughs> okay, so fuck you, Abe. Well, that's a given anyways. Huh? That's a given anyways. Yeah. <laughs> well, we got anything else? Anything you're looking forward to trying out the show? Did, um, well, you got to I mean, the, the announcements are really starting to come out the last couple of days of what's new. Yeah, uh, truthfully, um, maybe that new, that new one by Nika Sueño, that Esteban cigar. Yeah, maybe that one. Um, other than that, man, not not really um, that I could think of off the top of my head. Okay. Um, actually, I know one guy, um, Danny Vasquez from Voyage Cigars. He's going to come on our podcast after the show. He's also part of Save the Leaf and all that. Um, so he'll be talking about his new cigar. Um, that's coming out of the La Aurora factory, I think. I okay. can't remember, but yeah. Um, 
so yeah, he'll be on to talk about that and um, should be interesting. But uh, yeah, man, I know like Ryan Gallimore was on our uh, podcast not long ago and he's coming out with a bunch of new stuff, uh, Swinger Cigar Company. But his stuff isn't available to me locally, so I haven't tried it. Other than that, man, not necessarily that I could think of. How about you? Um, you know, I'll be curious to check out the new La Historia. Um, I just saw a picture of it. I don't really know much about it. I don't think they've said anything too much about it. Um, I did see something about, you know, this is all coming off half wheel. So who knows, you know, they sit there and search at all the trademarks and blah, blah, blah. But I saw something about a Padron 89 for what's his name? It was 89th birthday for, uh, Jose senior. Oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll be curious if that's something new coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll be, you know, again, you know, same thing with Rome. I'll be curious to try, you know, the new blend out of there. Yeah. For Mastabon. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got a few things in mind, but, uh, yeah. we'll just have to see what comes out of some of the guys. Yeah. <laughs> You're good at that. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna weasel, weasel my way into everything. Oh yeah, yeah. no, that's cool, man. Yeah. Uh, Well, right on. You good, Mo? I am, man. Relieve yourself there. I did, yeah. (laughs) This is just like being at the shop. I thought I had, I thought I had it on mute. (laughs) Yeah, you did. It was just a good guess. Oh. Oh, you ignorant bastard. You you, you you start talking really fast when you have to pee, I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> You're like a little kid. You're like, all right, we've got to wrap this up. i got to pee. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, um, Jeff, have, you, have either of you tried the uh, EPC-Caldwell combo, the Anastasia? That's the nope. one I was asking you about, Jeff, the other day. Oh, that's the, no, that's collaboration. Hmm. Yeah. Haven't heard of it. EPC Caldwell. Sounds good. But yeah. Yeah, well, that, I'll give it a try. Is that going to be at the show? I imagine. I yeah, I would think so, yeah. God, I need to make it to the show. <laughs> <laughs> huh, all right, well. All right, guys. Thank you. All right, yep. boys. Thank you, Jeff. Good times. Good talking to you, Mo. You, See you, you got it, buddy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right, talk all to right. you later. See you, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Salt and Smoke Cigar Cast. Be sure to check us out on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, email us either about the podcast or about our cigar line at thesaltandsmoke at gmail.com. Also, uh, if you want any Salt and Smoke gear, please get onto our website and to our online store. We have shirts and hats. If you're looking for anything else, please let us know and we'll get it up there for you. Thanks, guys. We'll uh, talk to you again next week.